Thank you for joining us on The Stewardship Project. I'm Andrew Mitchell. I'm Sean Salitro, and these are our afterthoughts. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to our afterthoughts. We wanted to start by slightly addressing what we'd call the, I guess, the elephant in the room. If you've been with us for any length of time, you've probably heard us talk about how Andrew is a financial analyst and nothing has been said from me because I am not. I am not uh, into finances whatsoever. Although later in life, as I've gotten older, I was like, I wish I would have been into finances, <laughs> which is which was a lot of the driving force behind some of the questions that we talked with Kurt about mm. uh, in our episode on stewarding your finances. So for this portion of the Afterthoughts conversation, I'm going to largely drive us and uh, Andrew, we've invited him to chime in when we see him. So, um, <laughs> Definitely. So when we talk about finances, when we ask our questions, when we kind of hear where Kurt's coming from, a lot of what my brain does is, is say, like, how does the layperson approach this? Or how does mm-hmm. the, I don't know if we want to say average, but just the, the normal everyday mm-hmm. non-financial career individual, how do they handle these things? Um, because that's where a lot of the the curiosity comes into play. And Kurt touched on this a lot about his main drive in being a financial advisor or becoming a professor who teaches others how to be financial advisors is to help people because finances are a big deal in life and we all have to deal with them, which is somewhat unfortunate sometimes, but it affects pretty much every facet in every area of our life. And as Andrew knows, I mean, people are going to come to financial advisors with uh, situations of crisis or questions, things that they've never heard about, mm-hmm. their own sets of, I know, Andrew, you've said before, values coming from yeah. upbringing or just their own experiences with money. Um, mm-hmm. So it's something that does have to be addressed and talked about. And then as we look at our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, um, we we do know that we come from the perspective of everything that we have does not come from us or something that we created, mm-hmm. but comes from God himself. And so it is something that has to be, we have to be resolute on how do we care for it? How do we take care of it? How do we Definitely. use it? How do we keep it? How do we, you know, how do we manage it well? So, so yeah, so Andrew's given me a little bit of free reign here to, to drive this afterthought. So the the first part we wanted to get into was what are, what was some of the encouragement that Kurt offered for people and where does he kind of come from when he's having conversations with people as an advisor? And, and Andrew, I'm sure you have these similar Mm -hmm. thoughts as well as you're encountering new clients or different individuals at different stages of life. But one of the first things he he said was that God wants us to learn before we approach any of these things through it all. He wants us to learn continual patience and trust in him with these things, which Mm -hmm. I don't know how often Andrew, you encounter people where that's a difficult part of the equation. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy. I mean, even to just go back a little bit to one of the other comments that you made, it blows my mind that you can get a PhD in this country and never take a financial class. Like Mm. one of the things that Kurt talked about was that he teaches an elective that's personal finances. And I would say if you're a college student, every college student should take that class just so that you have a baseline understanding of how finances work, the important pieces. Obviously, Kurt gave us a lot of insight into that. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy how many times you have conversations with, I mean, you can be sitting around Christmas dinner with family or, you know, around a campfire with friends or, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't take a whole lot. But once you get into a financial conversation, you really start to to get an understanding that 
people are anxious when it comes to money. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing that we often joke about in, in the financial world is that people often tell us this idea, like, if I only had a little bit more, well, realistically, if you had a little bit more, you'd still have the same problems. They might just get bigger, actually, right. is really the outcome that might happen from that. And so I think it, I think you occurred spot on in that if we can learn to trust and be patient, be content, even if that's not tied to a religious belief, I mean, that's going to, that's really going to put down some of those emotional ties that we have to money. I think, I think that's an, another big misconception that people have when it comes to their finances. Money is often pluses and minuses math. It's very rational and that's how people view it. The thing that we often have to step back and realize is that money also has a very emotional knee jerk type reaction within all of us. And so there's a lot of times where we're trying to make a rational decision, but we're actually making a, an emotional decision. So that even points to more of that idea of trust, patience, contentment. Um, I heard Kurt, Kurt talked about Ron blue and Ron blue talks about money being a test and a testimony because it is the thing that, you know, it's a test. How are we going to do with it? How are we going to handle those things? God has called us to be a steward. Obviously, like that's what we're all about here on the Stewardship Project. But at the same time, it's also an opportunity to be a testimony, to, to share how God has blessed, to share how God has, you know, expanded what we're able to do, expanded our minds, all of that, you know, through the, the resources that he's given us. And so, yeah, there's just, there's so much there for sure. Yeah. And I, and I appreciated how he, when we talked to him about the questions about, you know, what does scripture have to say about these things? Like when you <laughs> are talking to people, how do you drive them towards like scripture says this about our money and this is why. And how, you know, he mentioned the different points that I, I can't remember. You have to remind me if it's financial mm-hmm. advisors. Kingdom or, advisors. Yeah. Um, yep. Or if it's Ron Blue's ministry that has those five tenants or those five points, you know, but they're all rooted in scripture about how, yeah. you know, first he started off with like, when we talked about scripture with him, like it's a slow and steady process. Mm-hmm. So that principle of like good results take time. You must have endurance because these, it is a tough race to kind of get to where yeah. you need to be financially. Sometimes it's a steady process, but mm-hmm. throughout the book of Proverbs, we hear those things from Solomon and the different writers about this yeah. wisdom would tell you that it takes time and to stick with it. But then, you know, the, the principles of like living within your means, spending mm-hmm. less than you earn, you know, a, avoiding debt, you know, obviously we're going to talk about those things, but all of those things that almost every, even secular financial advisor would advise you to do are things mm-hmm. that we find in scripture, you know, and, mm-hmm. and throughout human history, like God has spoken to these things about where wisdom has to come into play when you're dealing with money, because it is a certainty of our lives that like money is a kind of a necessity of everything yeah. that we go through, whether it's you're buying a home or you have to wonder how much income am I going to have and what is that going to go to? Or, you know, he talked about one of the basic things that he talks about first with young people, you know, after going through the scriptural principles mm-hmm. is knowing your money, creating for yourself or finding some kind of budgeting tool mm-hmm. uh, that works for you. And what was, what was that the most important thing he said about, when you find that tool, um, there's a stick <laughs> yeah, with it, you know? Exactly. Yep. Find the thing that works for you and stick with it. Cause there's always something out there that somebody says it's going to work better or does something a little bit differently, but ultimately 
it's all about finding what works for you. And this is a conversation I have with clients constantly because, you know, you need a budget. YNAB, it's a great tool. It does it work for everybody. No, sometimes a spreadsheet works better. People use Mint. People use the MoneyWise app. I mean, there's so many things that are out there. They all do things just a little bit differently. And really, it's, yeah, just find what works for you and stick with it. And right. that's going to serve you better over the long run than continuing trying to find the next best thing. Right. And as a, and as a quote unquote average person, when it comes to finances, <laughs> you know, like for me, that was a very difficult thing for a long time. Yeah. Like finding what really made sense to me. Because, you know, like you said, like finances carry a lot of emotional ties to them. You know, there's, it can be really scary. Or it can be too exhilarating. You know, you can be too yeah. uh, committed to money. But for me, I mean, I know a lot of people can relate to this, but it's always been very scary. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when it's come <laughs> to a time of like not having much money or it's been like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot, I have money. And how do I handle it? Because, you know, I mean, my wife and I are at a point now where we have, we have two incomes and, um, <laughs> you know, we work together on our finances and we you know, we pool our money together. Like we, we have the same bank account. We, mm-hmm. you know, we handle our finances together and have those conversations together. But I look at, you know, our income and be like, wow, I growing up, this was a, a lot of money to me. Um, yeah. you know, so what do I do with that? Like I, I've handled it poorly before and now I want to handle mm-hmm. it right. But for a long time, like trying to handle it on my own was one of the worst things I ever did. <laughs> um, sure. And trying to say like, no, I can make my own spreadsheets as somebody who does, knows nothing about finances or spreadsheets, like <laughs> that was, that was a bad call. And I thought like I was doing well for so long until, you know, but yeah. I think, you know, like every financial advisor will say this and, and he said this a lot, but it was that importance of knowing your money, not only knowing mm-hmm. what's coming in, but what's going out. And if mm-hmm. you are in a place in life where you're not tracking that, or you're not knowing your, you know, Dave Ramsey phrased it as like naming every dollar. I went to one of his one day conferences and was like so floored by that concept. I was like every dollar, like naming Mm -hmm. it. And, but when I went home and thought about that after that conference and like did it, I was like, Oh, I had no idea. Like I was spending this much. I had no idea Mm -hmm. that it was, there were these categories that were out of control. I thought I was fine, but the more, you know, I've started doing it. And now that I'm married, like doing it with somebody else and seeing like, Knowing where it's all at can show you one of the things that, that Kurt talked about, and especially as believers, one of the things we're led to in scripture is obviously the concept that it's not yours. So how do you manage it? Well, well, you got to know what's coming in, what's going out. But also once you do, you have this idea that, all right, now how do I look at this? You know, if you're blessed to be able to have an excess, mm-hmm. how can I give that? You know, because if it's truly not mine, I don't need this excess. Mm-hmm. Um, at some points in life, I might, and then you know, God will kind of lead you to how to use it at those times. But how can I be so open-handed about these things that I can mm-hmm. be generous? Yeah. And again, I, I feel like that is talked about sometimes. There's lots of charities out there. There's plenty of places to mm-hmm. give. But again, like so much of people's emotions and security are tied to money that mm-hmm. the idea of generosity doesn't always enter the conversation early on. It's, mm-hmm. it's an afterthought. Well, I guess that's what we're yeah. doing now, but it is a, <laughs> um, you know, it is something like, I, you know, when maybe I might have some excess that yep. I don't feel tied to at all, then I will mm-hmm. be generous with it. But mm-hmm. um, I feel like the more you know your money and 
what type of excess you might have, yeah, the, the more you might be more open-handed to giving. And I think giving is one of those things that, I mean, this kind of goes back to our conversation that we had with Claire, where he talked about obedience. Generosity is the same way. You know, the New Testament talks about, you know, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. It also talks about giving from your first fruits. So Dave Ramsey, <clears throat> since you bring him up, he, he looks at that very literally. He looks at, you know, he has what they call the every dollar budget, which is exactly what you're talking about. Every dollar has a place that it goes, has a, it's named. And the first two things on his every dollar budget is giving and savings and everything else comes after that. So I think that really starts to tie into that idea of being able to prioritize when you're looking at your mm. budgeting. If giving is being obedient and it's what God's calling us to, instead of getting to the end and seeing, well, I've got a little bit of extra money, I might as well give it. If we start with that idea, it right. seems that you know scripture leads us in a way that everything else will fall in order. Or if things end up being tight, I do think there is a, a potential that, you know, God works in mysterious ways. I don't know how to explain it, but I've seen it where things are tight for people. They start giving and somehow whatever is left expands in some way, shape or form and the needs are met. I think it does tie into a little bit of that idea in Matthew where, where Jesus is talking about the sparrows and the, the lilies in the field, how they don't do anything, but yet your heavenly father cares for them. And how much more valuable are you than they, you know, don't worry about tomorrow, simply worry about today. And I right. feel like money very much falls into that category because we can kind of what you're talking about is we can, we can worry about what tomorrow brings the fear, the anxiety that can come with that. And so I do think, you know, we are, in a sense, let off the hook by having to worry about that mm -hmm. in what Jesus calls us to. But I think there is also that aspect that if we give, the Lord will take care of the rest. I think one of the most awesome points that he started going off of, and I feel like we could have talked a lot more about this, was mm -hmm. um, when we entered in that giving conversation, where he likes to approach it with people is more with grace and not legalism. Yeah. You know, because of the way that obviously we are geared to view money, but also the way that God views money is that mm -hmm. the the truth of it all. And, you know, he stated this at the very beginning is that God doesn't need your money. Correct. Um, it's not yours to begin with, you know? So it's, mm -hmm. it's also that idea of like, how much is he allowing you to have? Cause he doesn't need that. He's allowing you to have that. And then when he requires it of you, he will. But more importantly than all of that, one of the things, the thing, not one of the things, but the thing that he wants is your heart. And how is your value tied to your security is in that money or is it a dependence and mm -hmm. trust in him? Yeah. And giving must go in line with that. And there will be people that, you know, hear these things from a financial advisor or somebody who's much farther along in finance, financial wisdom than they are, or they might mm -hmm. hear this episode or Kurt's episode and be like, that is, that's a lot for me, you know? And, and it has been for me at different points in life too. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fluctuated for as long as my wife and I have been mm -hmm. married. Like we've gone through different times of plenty and less. And, and so there are people, I, I know that there are people out there just because I've struggled with this and you might have too, of like, if you're financially struggling, it's okay to start small, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. God doesn't say like, no, it must be blank percent or blank dollar. Mm -hmm. 
it is something that every single person is going to have to go before the Lord with and say, like, mm-hmm. it, what's your heart really in this? Yeah. You know, is it to be open handed and give and to be generous? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that might look like 1%. Yeah. Sometimes that might be half a percent. I don't know. I'm not going to name a percentage, mm-hmm. but you know, like it's not going to look like everybody's same number and everybody's same amount. And, yeah. and obviously we know based on looking at the world that there are plenty of people at very different income levels. Mm-hmm. You know, a billionaire is going to be in a different position to give money than somebody who's, you know, struggling on a part-time job, mm-hmm. um, trying to provide for their family as well. Yeah. I think that's a, a huge point. I never really thought about this idea from that perspective until there's a book out there called God and Money. Mm-hmm. It's a couple Harvard uh, MBA grads that they wrote their, I think it's the dissertation or whatever you want to call it, uh, their their senior thesis <clears throat> on this idea of how God and money relate and what scripture actually has to say about it. But there's everybody talks about tithing as 10%, which in the root, the word tithe means 10%. But when you actually look at scripture from that perspective, there's nowhere that it actually says you have to give 10%. There's there's a lot more, you know, light and fluffy language around, I shouldn't say light and fluffy. It's a lot more ambiguous is really what it comes down to. It's not, you know, oh give this percentage and then you're good to go. There's, there's there's room for exactly what you're talking about, Sean, going before the Lord and saying, what should I be giving? Where's my heart at when it comes to the giving that I should be doing? And because I think it's also interesting, people want to point back to the Old Testament. Well, the, the tithe comes from the Old Testament. Well, technically, if you want to look at the Old Testament, there's three tithes in the Old Testament. One of those tithes is to buy or to, is to, to do a feast for your family. So how does that play into it? So all that to say, like, I don't think there's this super clear cut way. And I completely agree with what you're saying. Like, this is how much you have to give. And this is what it has to look like. I think there's some ambiguity there. And I think, I think you're spot on, Sean. God wants to know where our heart is at. And he wants to know that we're aligning and obedient to what he's calling us to do. And yeah, we can start with wherever that is, whether it's, you know, the, the widow with the two mites that it was 100% of what she had and she gave it to the Lord. Or if it's, you know, 1%, you know, what, whatever it is, we got to start somewhere, but just in that role of obedience, I think is super important. Yeah. I think that was one of the things that he really drove at a lot and kind of one of the conclusions that he came to was where is your heart in -hmm. all these things, talking about finances, everything. Like when you know that answer, it's going to make the other things kind of make more sense. And and obviously, like when you look at your budget and you know where your money's going, it kind of gives you a little hint about, hey, where's your heart right now? Yeah. Where's your value system? Is it coming from a place of it's not yours? Or, or is it viewed like, no, this is all mine and my decisions and mm-hmm. I don't need to be generous. You know, uh, yeah. I get to make all the call and all this. Because then that really speaks to where your heart is on, at mm-hmm. on those things. Definitely. I think going back to the part of the conversation is if there were a bunch of individuals who are listening right now who don't know money well, that was one of the key points for me is what it was knowing your money, but it was also like when you do know your money or when you're getting to know your money, you're going to have to find a way to manage it. And there's a lot of aspects of managing money, Mm -hmm. but 
manage it in a way that makes sense for you. That was a, that would be the one thing that I would encourage people with from now on is like mm-hmm. budgeting is important. I know that, you know, I didn't know that growing up. I didn't know that in college. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to find that out abruptly during certain points in my life after college and even after marriage. Um, but budgeting is important. Getting some kind mm-hmm. of a tool or help having somebody help you set that up is a big deal. Yeah. And it, and it does pay dividends later on in life. But another part of the conversation that he, you know, we leaned into a little bit was talking about after knowing your money and budgeting, the other thing mm-hmm. he likes to talk to young people about is getting a handle on your debt mm-hmm. and understanding what that is. Because a lot of the people that he will talk to being a professor are people that are going to be, after they graduate, they're going to encounter a certain thing called a student loan, which is a very touchy <laughs> subject nowadays. Um, yes. <laughs> but I mean, the truth is a lot of people will, that's how they get through college. And so debt is just going to become this familiar thing. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately it is then part of somebody's budget. You know, it's going to mm-hmm. be an item on that list, something that they've got to take care of and, and manage along with everything else. And then they're going to feel the need to have a home because people do. Mm-hmm. And then there's more debt mm-hmm. or a car, you know, and, and I, I liked, I appreciated how he didn't just nail those things and say like all of that bad, all of that mm-hmm. evil. Yeah. But said, like, those are things we're going to encounter in life. And again, it does have to come from where is God leading you on those things? Mm -hmm. You individually, where's your, where's your heart on those things? And then how can you, by knowing your money, how can you manage those things better? Yeah. One of the sayings that I've heard when it comes to debt, because I, I do, it's never, whenever you hear somebody give like a hard and fast on a certain topic there's always exceptions to the rule. So even, you know, in, in giving a hard and fast, there's, it's never fully accurate. So one of the things that I've, I've heard said multiple times when it comes to debt is that debt is always presuming on the future. So you're borrowing from Mm. your future self to pay for something today. And so I just like that idea to be able to get people to think about you know, if you're going to go buy a car and you're going to put, you know, take out a loan to buy that car, just understand that that that's going to be with you for a while. It's not a one-time decision. You're making a five-year decision. And so give it the weight of making that decision that a five-year decision would take. Same with a, a home, you know, a home can be with you for up to 30 years. Some people have a mortgage for their entire lives. Um, there's assets that are tied to those, but you're still you're still mortgaging the future. And so again, it's not to say that it's always a bad thing or that it's not you know the direction to go. I mean, Kurt talked about, you know, if you look at scripture and the verses that talk about taking on debt, it it never says anything good. It is true. Those are principles um, that we have to keep in mind. But yeah, we just we just have to keep in mind that anytime we're putting something on a credit card, a loan, a mortgage, it's gonna be with us for a while and it's going it's going to affect our future lives. And that's the thing that we gotta keep in mind because we're so here and now type people. Right. We've become so instant gratification minded. We kind of gotta break out of that, especially when we're looking at our debt situation. So yeah, I, I really appreciated uh, that that part of the conversation for sure. Yeah. It's not like your future self and your present self are not tied together. Exactly. They're not two separate people. Yeah. Yeah. One of the last things that he, that we talked about with him was investing. 
And again, I think I would rather have you leave this part of the conversation because I'm not like, sure. oh yeah, I know so much about investing. Um, <laughs> I know so much about none of these things. Yeah. But but investing, I mean, is that something that is a big part of your conversation with clients is is what to do with their money, how to how to grow it? Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of times, I think there's a bit of an assumption with working with a financial advisor that investing is just always a part of it. So I think it's kind of an assumed thing that, oh, we're going to talk about investing. And obviously that is definitely an area of expertise, uh, but a lot, we talk about a lot of these other items. I mean, we help people with budgeting, we help people with debt management. There's, it's, you know, there's a bunch of different realms that we operate in. But investing is always an interesting one because there's some kind of low-hanging fruit items that people often stumble into or avoid. And there's other items that people know are out there. And if, if somebody doesn't come alongside them, they really never step through them because they don't know how to make the decision. And so, yeah, so investing is obviously, it's super important. One of the important things that I don't know that Kurt actually referenced it specifically, but he talked about the idea of it um, is compound interest. And this can even go back mm -hmm. to our debt conversation. So compound interest is when you're paying interest on something and the interest compounds on itself, you get accelerated growth. So let's say you have $100 and you're going to invest that. At some point in time, you're going to have $200. And then that $200 is going to compound. And at another point in time, you're going to have $400. And the earlier that you can start that compounding, the more that that compounding can take place. So you can get to 800, you can get to 1600 and get to $3,200 faster if you start earlier than if you were to wait. And so I think that's part of, you know, he talks about, or he talked about, you know, 10 bucks or 30 bucks a month, even just small amounts. If we can start introducing that into that compounding that's going to help us as we formulate goals, as we think about being able to travel, retire. I know for a lot of young people, retirement is a word that probably so means nothing off. to you yeah. because it is so far into the future yeah. and it's completely understandable, but it is one of those things that, again, we don't often think about it, but to really put ourselves in a good position to be able to get there, compounding interest is huge. And the reason I bring up the debt part of that is that debt is the exact opposite. Mm. So debt also has compound interest, but it's actually the thing that's taking money out of our pocket mm. instead of putting money in our pocket. Right. And so we yeah. have to just kind of keep those two things side by side. But yeah, really investing and, and you know putting goals together and working towards those in the ways that we invest is extremely important. So yeah, I think one of the things or some of the main things that we would encourage people with is that it's really something that they have to go before the Lord on, you know, mm -hmm. on a lot of these things about how they are supposed to care for their money, but that it is important to know it, uh, to know your money, to budget, to to have a handle on those things, to know what yeah. your debt situation is. You've never addressed it before. If it's just kind of something you've entered into flippantly, like get to know it just yeah. as much as you would your budget and you're naming every dollar or you're looking at every dollar as it's going out mm -hmm. and coming in. That's all part of that. And then to explore different ways that, God might have you investing, you know, because it's, it's a, it's a tool that we are given and that we're able to use and there mm -hmm. are wise ways to do it. Yeah. And talking to a financial advisor is not something that's just for rich people. 100%. Or people that would be viewed as immensely wealthy. There are Correct. people out there that do want to help individuals who are mm -hmm. more on the, um, the smaller scale of things and, and that's yeah. all right. 
Yeah, the one plug I'd put out there for that is there's a website, kingdomadvisors.com. You can go there and you can find Kurt and I talked about through the episode. You know, I'm a certified financial planner. He's a certified financial planner. We're both certified kingdom advisors. A certified kingdom advisor, all that means is that they've studied scripture. They've looked at how does scripture apply to our money situations and how do we bring that to people so that they can apply it as well. If you go to that kingdomadvisors.com, there's a way that you can search for an advisor in your area. I'd encourage you to go on there if you're looking for an advisor, plug in your zip code, plug in wherever you're at, see who's available that falls into that category so they can really guide you. You know, you're going to find people that align with your values. So I'd encourage you guys to take a check, take a look at that if you're looking for an advisor for sure. Awesome. Yeah. And find a tool, find an advisor, but find also a tool yeah. that works for you and stick to it. That's the Definitely. most, one of the most important things I can encourage people with just from my own life and my experiences, stick to something. Don't just give yeah. up on something because it's difficult. If you're working with a tool and it doesn't make sense to you, there are other tools out there that will. And as soon as you find that one that does, stick with it because yeah. it does work and it does take time. Knowing and seeing those good results takes time, but yeah, we would just encourage people to have that endurance and and reach out for help when you need it. Definitely. But yeah, thank you guys for joining us and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to our Afterthoughts. We'd love to hear yours by connecting with us on social media or drop us a line at our email, thestewardshippodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for another Stewardship Conversation.